Welcome to episode 27 of the Bike Pack Canada podcast. My name is Ryan Corey. I'm your host. I also run the site. The last few days I was riding north of Canmore along the front range of the Rockies, uh, exploring pieces of the Hurton, Alberta route, uh, one of my goal events. Um, also some off-route services uh, for the guidebook uh, around Panther River and uh, Nordic, uh, then doubling back along the Icefields Parkway for the third time this year. Uh, thinking of the podcast, huffing, puffing top one of the many foothills, I think it was on my uh, third night, I recall having the distinct thought that uh, despite the burn, uh, what a cool thing it is uh, that we get to do, you know, this bike packing thing. And uh, more importantly, that we have the health to do. My interview today was actually conducted back in November 2013. It is with our friend J.D. Pauls, who... Um, who passed away from cancer back in May. Uh, during the time of our chat, JD had race, recently completed the Tour Divide. Um, he dropped out the year before in Butte, Montana, and had to drive all the way back to Ontario. Uh, and, and for those that don't know Canadian geography, it's like the longest uh, walk of shame you could do. Uh, a lot of time to think. Um, anyway, with, with fire in his belly, he he got the job done on, on year two. JD... You know, as, as some of you may know, he was he was never out to win the race, uh, just a dad adventurer, uh, a humble blogger, uh, where many of us got to know him, uh, just wanting to touch that uh, magnificent goalpost in Antelope Wells. Uh, so thank you, JD, for uh, sharing some of your story and uh, for being my second ever guest on uh, my original Adventure Cycling Podcast. Please enjoy. Oh, yeah, I figured he'd be a celebrity after finishing the divide. Yeah, very few people care, though. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you did what? That's ridiculous. You have to show them your Blackburn well, videos. That's right. Why would you do that? Right? Yeah. So have you figured out your next adventure yet? Um, no, I've got a few options. I've got a few dreams and a couple options. Uh, I might do a little non-race tour in Switzerland in August. Okay. I uh, have the transcontinental race in Europe on my radar, uh, which might be a good option. From do you know about that one? Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. Is that that's similar to the the Trans America one, right? Uh, similar. Yeah, you get like the well, same organization. No direct route, right? Yeah. So you get uh, a different. Mike Hall, the winner of the uh, tour. Yeah, yeah. I've got him coming up as a podcast. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, he's he organizes the transcontinental, so I think it's a different group than the uh, Trans Am. Okay, okay. But the Trans Am would be great, but it's just a little bit too long and the wrong time of year, you know? Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, you got, you got a couple minutes to chat? Yeah, of course. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so I am recording now, and uh, JD, you're officially uh, the second person to be interviewed, first being Sarah, my girlfriend, so uh, right. bear with any uh, technical glitches here. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, so... JD, you uh, you conquered the Tour Divide uh, for the first time this year after uh, having to to drop out um, uh, the year before. So first of all, congratulations! That's a it's a epic accomplishment, and uh, it's been fun to follow along um, with your Blackburn sponsored uh, videos the, the last couple of months. Uh, so they were they were one of your sponsors, right? They were, yeah. No, they picked me up uh, last year. I didn't seek them out. They just sort of approached me. They said, hey, would you like uh, some help 
to get down the divide? And of course, I said yes. Yeah, and I, I, and sh I, I should I should preface that answer by saying that it's 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 very rare to to get the kind of sponsorship that that you did, especially for uh, such an underground event. And uh, uh, even even more interestingly is is that you got it without uh, soliciting for it yourself. So uh, that's that's interesting news for you know a lot of young athletes out there looking for sponsorship sometimes you don't have to be uh out there actively looking for it. you just have to be putting out good content and uh just be a good person right well i was certainly lucky and very fortunate to uh i did a blog i did some youtube videos from my race in 2012 uh, i blogged about my failures so when they called me i almost half thought they were kidding um, just given my lack of experience, as I'd been riding what six months uh, before I tried the Tour Divide last in 2012. Yeah. Uh, so I had to be very clear with them that uh, you understand that I am not a professional racer <laughs> of any sorts, and you know that's what they were looking for. They wanted your average person, um, you know, who was getting back up, trying again, and trying to do uh, an uncommon adventure, as they call it. Right. So I've got I've got Mike coming up, Mike Hall, the winner yeah. uh, the oh, year, coming up in a podcast. So uh, maybe you could uh, intro that talk a little bit by telling us, like, what is what is the Tour Divide for those that don't know? Uh, Tour Divide is an off-pavement uh, mountain bike route that runs up from Banff, Canada, uh, runs down the spine of the Continental Divide through the Rocky Mountains down to Antelope Wells, New Mexico, which is right on the border of uh, Mexico and New Mexico. Uh, it's self-supported, so everything you need uh, you have to bring with you or find en route. Uh, there's no support vehicles. There's uh, no help out there with the exception of the spot trackers that we carry with us uh, so people can find us. But, you know, we find our own food, find our own places to sleep, um, you know, own medical care. Whatever we need, we have to look after ourselves. Right. So, so it took me 25 days to complete it this year. Awesome, awesome. And how did you first hear about the race? Uh, a friend of mine was telling me about uh, the tour, the Rides the Divide movie that he had saw. Was recommending that I watched it. Uh, before I watched it, I actually looked online and sort of researched the race and kind of fell in love with the sort of underground feel that the race had. Um, and why I thought it was possible, I'm not sure. Uh, but it seemed seemed like such an incredible adventure, once in a lifetime thing, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it's interesting to come at this talk uh, from the, the aspect or the point of view that you're a, you're a family man. You know, you're not, um, you know, uh, you don't necessarily have the freedom to train, uh, you know, multiple hours every day. Like you, you have a job, you're a realtor, you're a family guy. How did you, how did you find that uh, work-life training balance leading up to the race this year? Uh, this year was different than last year. This year, sort of, uh, I had to really make a conscious effort to fit the training in. Um, actually, things felt a little bit more balanced for me when I was trying to actually focus on getting, you know, two or three hours a day of training in. I probably averaged about uh, 15 hours a week, along with all the other preparation, as you know, Ryan, because you've, you know, completed the race yourself with, uh, you know, logistical planning, gear prep, um, you know, bike equipment. You know, there's a lot of planning that goes into it. Probably, you know, 15, 20 hours a week for everything. Um, but, you know, I found a good balance. My wife was really supportive, which is helpful. Um, you know, the kids loved the idea of it. But uh, having that goal and having that, uh, you know, that planning every day uh, down to the second to fit, you know, I was coaching hockey as well. You know, I'm running two businesses, um, have the family in there. But it actually helped organize my priorities for me last year. 
Um, so I found I had a lot of successes last year, um, apart from the race. Awesome, awesome. And is it is it something that you'd want to take on again? Um, I would love to. <laughs> Putting the time back into my schedule is going to be tough this year. You know, taking a month off from family is a huge commitment that I have to ask of uh, you know the wife and kids too. But I think uh, when I finished. I swore I'd never do it again, but, you know, after you sit back and you look at, at the accomplishment as a whole, uh, I'd love to give it another shot in maybe five, six years. I'd love to get out there again. It's something that sort of never leaves you once you you get out there. It becomes a part of you. So yeah. I, I see myself back out there another few years. Yeah, time away, uh, you know, the, the sores heal, and you're remembering the, you know, all the memories as, as being fond. So for you, what was what were some of the best parts of the divide? Uh, well, for sure, there's a few small towns in Montana that are just fantastic places. Ovando, I think that's one of my favorite places. Um, one of the reasons is the people in town were, what, there are 50 people that live there? Uh, but they were ready for the racers. They were excited to see us. You know, they had everything we needed. Uh, seems to come up at the right time in the race, you know, after a tough little section coming through uh, after Whitefish. Um, so some of the people that you meet on route certainly is one of the highlights. Um, Trail Angels, I guess we call them. Uh, they show up at the right times, just when you need somebody. Uh, so that's certainly a highlight. Uh, finishing this year was by far a highlight after failing miserably in Butte, Montana in 2012. Um, being able to make it to the end was, was extra sweet. Actually, getting past Butte this year was was an accomplishment in itself. I remember rolling out of Butte after being stuck there for a half a day this year, even waiting for some bike parts. Um being stuck in Butte was a little anxious, but once you roll out of there, it was a whole new race for me, and I was extremely happy. Actually, most of the race I spent uh, with a grin from ear to ear this year. <laughs> and he, he had much better uh, weather uh, this year, at least at least going through Canada from the looks of things. No, oh, the weather was incredible this year. I, I think I was spoiled. I was ready for the tortures of 2012, where we had you know miles and miles of snow to hike through, and rain and misery. Like it, it was a quick. 300 miles getting out of Canada this year. Uh, so I think it's sort of set up the rest of the race for me. It gave me, you know, being able to do a 150-mile day, which for me was more than I've ever done in my life. Uh, but to pull that out and feel good at the end of it, and crossing the border on day two, I sort of knew then that uh, I was going to finish the race this year. And uh, as, as far as low points go, you know, obviously in 2012 it was having to pull out in Butte and uh, not just pull out, but you also have to find your way home after that point. Did you encounter any, I guess, similar low points uh, this past year? Uh, there were a lot of low points. Going through the um, Great Basin, uh, I don't think there's any low points that made me feel like quitting this year. Um, I guess I should start by saying 2012, I really wasn't prepared. I mean, it's hard to admit that now after taking on such a big accomplishment but to look back and realize you know pulling out was the right thing to do because you know a lot of my misery was caused by my um, lack of being prepared so this year when I um, you know I ran out of water coming through the basin this year um, I mistimed my entry into the basin I had to do it during the heat of the day instead of um, you know using some of the night hours uh, so I did that in one chunk and that was certainly a tough section to get through um, you know passing out feeling light lightheaded <laughs> You know, not knowing where the water's coming from, every water source on the map was dried up. Um, so that was certainly, a, you know, a soul-searching, you know, 140 miles there. It's probably the hardest point for me, um, getting through there. And then the next uh, uh, 
remote section before Brust Mountain Lodge in Colorado. I think those those were the toughest uh, two or three days for sure. So you're t- um, you t- telling me that the Blackburn guys uh, didn't drive up the, with their Jeep and <laughs> pulled out a candy bar every once in a while just if when you were slowing fantastic? down? Wouldn't that be, I, did, I did have hallucinations of that, but uh, no. I, you know, I was dreaming of people riding up with uh, camper jugs of water. But Yeah, no, Blackburn gave me no help, unfortunately. They were cheering me on and actually having people back home knowing that uh, yourself and other people were sitting there watching me struggle um, is actually motivating to keep going, right? Because it's not just me, me involved in this thing. It's a, it's Blackburn. It's my family. It's, uh, you know, friends, people like yourself who are, you know, are sitting that back home in the satellite watching you. Yeah, it was, it was funny at times uh, to be on this side of the fence and watching the spot tracker. Uh, so the spot tracker is a. Uh, the way you know it's it's a tracker that all the riders carry with them and it's a way f- to you know follow the race online and you see a little uh little blip for each rider and you see it moving along the map and um you know there was a few times uh, i think most notably in the basin where jd's jd's waypoint went went way off course and uh you know there's no way to get in touch with you and um you know, you just hope that you get back on back on track. But I, I know, I know what you mean having, you although you don't you don't have regular communication with people. As long as you see the 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 tracking light blinking on the the, the tracker, you know, you always have this awareness that there's there's a crowd watching you from afar. So you want to always keep moving. And I, I remember thinking when I was racing that um, if I didn't turn my tracker on. You know, immediately as soon as I I woke up in the morning, people would think that I was sleeping in, and that they'd be <laughs> blogging about it and analyzing the data. So, um, it, it's interesting to see how technology plays a part in that race. Well, it's such an interesting race from a spectator aspect, right? Because people are making judgments on where you're going to be stopping, and you know, predictions on what's going on because they have no idea, right? <laughs> they just have this little blue dot, like um, you know, I think you. Facebooked somewhere during the race, you know, send up a smoke signal. <laughs> uh, you know, that uh, five, well, 15 miles, I think I went in the wrong direction that day with the tailwind uphill or downhill. So when I realized I was lost, I realized I had to turn back around into the a strong headwind and ride back uphill back to the point where I got lost. Um, but when I got back, I realized the firestorm of chaos it caused for the spectators. People texting my wife saying, Where's he going? He's lost. Is he okay? You know, people are really starting to panic, more so than maybe I was at the time. But just an interesting aspect from from the spectator's point of view, how people get uh, a lot of lost hours at work following this race. <laughs> yeah, I find my attention always kind of drifting uh, towards the tracker screen in the in the corner of uh, my work area here. Um, <laughs> but also at the same time, I, I you know my my other periphery was drawn to planning for the next race uh, it's hard it's a hard thing to get out of your system you know i think you know you you nailed it when you're when you finish it you you're you're done with it and probably the last week of it you're you're probably thinking that you know you've had enough of the divide but a week or two goes by and it's the kind of kind of adventure that uh you know assuming that you've made it through physically um without any major problems that you know you'll be you'll be called back sooner or later well, it becomes part of the DNA, I think, in every racer who gets out there. You know, I was talking to another racer yesterday, and he he'd sent me a message saying, you know, he thinks about it every day. He yeah. gets up; it's just such a good experience that uh, changed his life. Yeah, I, I so, definitely annoy I, I definitely annoy Sarah. I think <laughs> here and there talking about <laughs> it. Uh, you know, I constantly 
my, my questions or my answers to, to random things day to day will be followed by, well, on the divide we did this. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's certainly a common theme in my house as well. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you 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 hinted at a couple of projects you have uh, coming up. I think um, you know with with any adventure, uh, you know, as soon as we've we've finished something, you know, whether it's a good or bad experience, we uh, you know feel compelled to to take on another another challenge. You know, did was that something you had uh, right away, or is that something that kind of uh, evolved slowly after you got back? Uh, well, I think from my first attempt in 2012, um, after failing, uh, the next goal was to get back. And, I mean, every day I thought about getting back and finishing it. Uh, so this year when I finished The Divide, I was actually, um, as much as I'd like to get back there, I had, there's a piece about it now um, and a confidence that it's sort of built in me. So I'm looking at a few other uh, races, like the transcontinental in Europe. It goes from London to uh, Turkey. Um and they all seem like possible things now, you know, whereas two years ago, it's like, are you crazy? <laughs> but, you know, once, once you can accomplish it, you've reset the bar on what is possible, right? Um, your limits change. So I think that's that's a goal of mine. Uh, I'll be doing, a, hopefully doing a tour in Switzerland uh, in the end of August this year and a few other smaller races. Um, like there's a whiskey off-road in Arizona, which is in the end of April. Uh, so it looks like that's a possibility for me. And then there's a route in Ontario that I'm trying to put together as well. Awesome. Some overnight backpacking, yeah. So I'm hoping that will be uh, completely beta tested by, you know, spring of next year as well. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for checking in, J.D. And like I said, we'll, we'll continue the conversation with uh, Mike Hall and see what he has to say about uh, racing the Tour Divide in uh, 2013. So thanks for, awesome. uh, thanks for checking in. Thanks, Ryan. Okay, J.D., we'll get back to work, okay? I will. <laughs> Have a good day. Okay, bye now. See you. Bye.